0: My name is Tony Barnes. I'm a father, husband, realtor with Keller Williams Pinehurst, professional musician, ambassador for Military Foundation, Camp Resilient North Carolina, and corporate leader for Patriot Foundation. I've always been fascinated by people. Everyone I meet, I try to hear as much of their story in whatever brief moment in time we share. Even the most average-seeming human could have a captivating story. This show is about unlocking the stories of the people that I've been fortunate enough to meet and those whose names have positively influenced the communities they serve that maybe I haven't met yet, but can't wait to This show is simply called More or Less with Tony Barnes More as in Moore County The beautiful southern North Carolina community That many of us call home And because some of these stories Need to be shared much more Less as in less serious Light-hearted conversations With one-of-a-kind humans About how they do more Alright, well welcome everybody to the show uh, You know, Frank's here the executive producer, Frank Daniels. We have very special guests, our first guests in the house here at Pilot Radio Studios uh, for the first real episode. That's not talking about myself a lot. Uh, we have uh, retired Major Army Major Jason Hauck. Uh We have Lila Owens, the president of Camp Resilient North Carolina. We have Britt Harris, uh, the vice president of Camp Resilient North Carolina and Gold Star Spouse. Um, we're just here just about to talk about some really fun things that we're trying to do to help military families. And, uh, you know, Jason, uh, if you'd like to introduce yourself and maybe discuss a little bit about Camp Resilient.
1: Yay. Thanks for having us here, Tony. Um, and good to be in the room with the folks. We're always spread out and busy doing stuff. So we're, we're actually getting the team together every once in a while. Mm-hmm. So Camp Resilient started a little bit back uh, with an idea that the county the community could do more to help out military families active duty the veterans and their their spouses and and the kids and and find ways to uh, help them deal with the stress and trauma of service because we know uh, that happens and uh, we've all been watching the the difficulties that our soldiers are having and veterans are having um, across the country over the last 20 years so we wanted to find a way to to help out and get the community connected to do that awesome and I know that we
0: just uh, were able to uh, secure seventy-five acres for kind of, uh, you know, by the goodness of uh, some some people's hearts that are former military as well. And we're going to have some uh, events coming up here, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, but also, Lila, if you'd like to introduce yourself, the president of Camp Resilient North Carolina.
2: Hi, I'm Lila. I am the president of Camp Resilient for North Carolina. I came on board due to me and Jason. Um, knowing each other through a few community events and he knew i was a veteran and he also knew that i was very interested in helping um for veterans my age in that generation there is this frustration of i want to help i see my fellow soldiers and veterans service members i see them struggling and i don't know what to do and A lot of great organizations with resources, but then there's the frustration of how to access those, and then the more frustration on the availability and who qualifies, and it it starts piling, compounding issues. So when Jason contacted me with this idea, I said, absolutely, I'm on board. So here we are.
0: I think there's, and I'm not military. My my parents were in uh, the Air Force for four years, but that was a long time ago. But I am, I've grown up here in Pinehurst, around the area, and right next to Fort Bragg. And you know, many friends that have served, and uh, you know, it's it's a big part of our community, and, and a big part of my my passion as well to help because I see so many sacrifices that the the families make and, and the soldiers. Uh, and I think there is a stigma, you know, for kind of seeking out this kind of thing, maybe for especially for maybe men that kind of thing is supposed to be kind of hidden deep down you know a little bit um so we're hoping to kind of get that out and be more more public and and just be okay with not being okay kind of thing and just work work it out so um also we have vice president Britt harris of camp resilient north carolina she's a gold star spouse and philanthropist and uh, a very big part of the community here so if you'd like to introduce yourself a little bit
3: well that was super nice thanks um okay (laughs) so i'm Britt harris and i met jason when I was, uh, I was working with another nonprofit, and he was coaching me to give speeches for um, Gold Star families, and so kind of just developed a friendship through that, and he was helping guide me, and um, he came to me with this idea of Camp Resilient, and I immediately was like, yes, for sure, include me. I want to be part of that, and then here we are now.
0: Mm-hmm. And. Uh you know, certainly appreciate you've been a part of several military foundations, and uh, you know just the the courage you have to be able to speak about these things and to really bring awareness and and to let other people know that you know they have help and they can you know get through this. I think is very uh, powerful. So thank well, you thank for everything. You. Um, you know, so we're sitting here talking about Camp Resilient, but we're gonna um, also talk about you know each other's lives. I mean, I think this this show is. Is obviously about promoting the, the the good things in the community that we're trying to do and help, and but also we want to just get to know the guests that we have, you know. So, um, but at first, I guess if you want to try to talk about some of the uh, the events that we got coming up, so that you can you know tell your your military f- families and friends, it might be able to come out and do something.
1: Yeah, today's a special day actually for Camp Resilient. We we just started our fall session, so we had a session last fall, uh, and then we worked on finding the property, which the Skalg family was kind enough kind enough to. To help us out with. So we spent the, uh, the, the that period in between getting the property ready and getting established. Uh, so our, our our director is out there today, uh, Laura Barton, and she has got uh, the first team that's coming in. We're going to do about seven sessions. It's all outdoor-focused wellness, which could be, you know, trail, trail walks, could be yoga, could be, you know, You name it, all the things that you can do outside um, that that help you to kind of center yourself, you know, working with horses. Uh, We've got a lot of options and things that we do, but that's just starting to take off. So we're pretty excited about that. That'll run from uh, today and through October 11th. And those dates are on our our, uh, Instagram and Facebook pages if people want to sign up. Uh, There's just a QR code you can hit with your phone and, and jump right in there. Uh, but we're we're real excited to get it ramped up again, and then we're going to do another program uh, fall, winter, uh, and touch on military families. So this first one's going to be aimed at more of the active duty and the veterans.
0: Awesome, awesome. Um, so, and and did, you may have mentioned this, but it's a is a free thing, or is there a cost? Do you want to talk about that a little bit. Or did you?
1: Yeah, our uh, goal with this, that? you know, especially when I talked with uh, with Lila and Britt at the beginning, was how do we make this free? How do we extend what the VA and the Army and the Air Force are doing for veterans around this community? Uh, and so we, we work with the community to fundraise, um, and uh, this community has been generous and helped out, and we have a lot of great patrons in this area uh, who help us with this. So this is free to all the active-duty military and uh, their family members who sign up. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, thank you very much for putting that on. Uh, yeah, I spoke with a uh, – actually, who may, he met – I think, did he meet with you um, – Jared Reeves. Yes, Jared Revis. Yes. I Rivas, did. Yeah. He's so wonderful. Yeah. Hopefully we'll have a new um, he just called me up out of the blue cuz just I'm a realtor and he's um, starting his career as, as a lender mm-hmm. um, of, of for veterans owned by a veteran owned company and uh, we just got to talking you know I had no idea who I was I had no idea who he was and he was like yeah man um, you know former military you know, Lieutenant Colonel in the Air Force and uh, he was like man I just I'm moving back home he's from this area and he was like I you know W- want to help you know what can i do to help i'd love to get into some of these you know organizations that that you know help fellow soldiers and he really loved the idea of camp Brazilian. i mean i think it's you know just being he said especially when you come back from a deployment um you know you almost really need to just breathe have a little bit of time before you actually get back maybe even to your families like something that you know you need that space and to kind of get back in your your civilian mind and he thought this was a great idea and even thought about maybe being you know uh involved in it too just going to the uh, the events mm-hmm. to kind of clear his mind and everything so yeah. um you know if you guys want to talk i think we mentioned um previously about how many deployment soldiers go through these days compared to even you know vietnam and all that if you want to kind of give a little background of that
1: yeah i think that's a really good point we talked about this at our big june fundraiser uh, our, our guest speaker that day i think he had uh 12 tours in afghanistan and and during the vietnam era it was a big deal if you had two tours and that was a decade-long war and some of those were you know spread out during the advisory years and sometimes in the combat years but we've got guys who have 12 15 combat tours where they were you know literally putting everything on the line and then coming back to their family and then six to nine months later or 12 months later doing it again and that constant cycle has just been a, a a real stressor on the community and i I think it's i like to tell people this is something we've never done to our military before in the history of our country this is the longest war we ever had we've never put anybody from privates to generals we've never asked them to do this much for so long and so we don't know what the effects are of that we don't know the effects on the veterans we don't know the effects on the family because we've just never done it so we we think you know things like camp resilient where we can help them sort through that and and move on with life and, and cope with all the, the stress and trauma are important. We, we have to throw everything at this because we don't know what we've done. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And uh, I believe that, correct me if I'm wrong, but the you know military suicide rate is uh, among the highest it's ever been. Is that right or close to it?
1: Yeah, we've been saying 22 uh, suicides amongst the veteran and military community. But an assessment by Duke and another University of Alabama just said that the numbers are actually probably closer to 42 to 44, wow. which is just astounding. I don't, we don't even fully have our arms around the problem. Is that
2: annually? Daily. A daily. Daily. Wow. And on. to jump in, that's not even taking into account, they're not tracking family suicides, um, spouses, children. One of the things we talked about initially, you know, when we got this off the ground, was that even though the service member is on deployment alone, you're not going through your time in service alone. You have a family either mother, father, brother, sister, whatever your setup is, or spouse, children, they're experiencing this with you too. And so when the service member comes back, the time, the separation, you know, life's going forward in two separate worlds. It's like a bit of a sliding doors moment. And when you see service members struggling to try to reintegrate, uh, what about the families? What are they going through? How do you let, this person back in. How do you help this person? How do you help yourself? You know, you're in a lot of ways you're taking on their trauma to try to help them, and then you're carrying it as well. And so we saw that that was a huge gap that, um, let's say, more traditional services or were, were and are missing right now. Mm-hmm. And so we're hoping to help fill that gap, and then also to give families the tools, the space. To, to come out and figure this out together, to heal together so that you cannot begin to process your deployment, to process your trauma, to start to recover from that if you do not have that solid support system at home. And yeah. we want to make sure we help with that.
0: Yeah, I think that might be something that is forgotten, not forgotten, but, you know, the 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 focus is a lot on Mm -hmm. the the military the soldier you know Um, but you you know you you don't want to forget about the huge sacrifices that the families make and you know uh, when and the unfortunate circumstances there are I mean um, Britt uh, as a gold star spouse can you tell us anything that kind of uh, what you've what's helped you kind of deal with life and you know after the unfortunate you know scenario that you've been through or just things that help you every day to just kind of get through i know you have a daughter Mm -hmm. um, and i'm sure she helps uh, bring sunshine to your life every single day so
3: a little wild child yeah (laughs) she's four now oh that's amazing it's a great age
0: oh i know i got a four (laughs) and a five-year-old there
3: was no sarcasm in that whatsoever her her personality is coming out for sure she's uh she tells me a lot of jokes now and i'm just like you're really funny like (laughs) legit she's like really funny um so like after chris passed um i did the pretty traditional like clinical counseling and there was just like i don't know how to explain it she was great she was awesome but there was like a disconnect and i was like i don't think you know what i'm talking about and she wasn't um affiliated with the military even though the military provided her to me She had no involvement in the military. She had never lost anyone. And she was doing her very textbook kind of counseling, which was great. And some of it helped. But I was like, I don't think you can relate to me. Um, So I reached out to TAPS. And they tried to connect me um, with other spouses. They couldn't find one who was involved with TAPS that had lost a spouse while pregnant. And if they could, they couldn't find one who lost their spouse to combat while pregnant. So there was still, like, this disconnect of, like, I can't find anybody that can actually relate to what I went through, but I can find similarities.
4: I'm sorry to interrupt, but for those who might be listening that don't know, what does TAPS stand for? Oh,
3: sorry. Tragedy Assistance Program
4: Support. Something. 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 Should know that. (laughs) S -S could be for support.
3: So, sorry. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. I can Google it, and they're I on Fort Bragg,
1: right? That's that's where they're the, the military runs the TAPS program.
3: Um, they're everywhere.
1: Mm-hmm. Each each post has something, or or nearby.
3: They gave me a pamphlet. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's <laughs> they gave me tons you, of pamphlets. That's, guys... that's kind of what you're at. Yeah. You know? yeah, they were like, here's you,
1: you go through this loss, and they're like, oh, what are oh we
3: my doing? gosh, they gave me like literally, it's called a days ahead bind or something like that, and it's got to be like. This, however many inches that is, six. six seven, like yeah. six? Six, it's, six? It's huge and it's heavy. And uh, they give it to you with more paperwork than you can imagine and like tons of pamphlets. And they're like, here you go. Now go to all of these appointments and essentially retire your soldier out of the military yourself. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they give you a casualty assistance officer to help you and guide you in it. But it is extensive work and it is a lot of appointments. And I was pregnant and 25, 26 at the time. 25 when he passed. My birthday was like two weeks after he passed, so I was just like, I don't know what to do with all of this information and these pamphlets, and a lot of them I just put in a drawer. And then as the months went by, and I was like, I really need help. Um, I pulled out the the TAPS one, and I reached out to them, and that was kind of helpful too. Um, but it still, it was like over the phone, and I was like, you know, on breaks at work, calling other spouses, like asking like, how did you handle this? And there's a um, A gold star family that's local that's a pretty big deal that i won't name and i spoke to her individually because i'd known her for years before this had happened and she was very supportive but i just felt like i'm really missing something and um and then tap sent out like a newsletter and they're like hey come hike kilimanjaro And I was like, deal. (laughs) Perfect. I'll do that. (laughs) Like, that sounds good. Like, that sounds like what I want to do. I don't want to sit in an office and talk about my feelings. Like, I know that's important, but I want to do something else. And so they gave us, like, the opportunity to join other Gold Star families and go to Africa and hike Kilimanjaro in honor of your lost loved one. And, like, that was, like, the coolest experience to be outside and sleeping in tents and, like, doing this incredibly hard thing in this place you'd never been and you're in nature with other people who get what you've been through, and you reached this top of this like impressive mountain. You're like, wow, I can't believe I did that. Like I've been through all of this really hard stuff, and look, I'm still doing hard stuff. It was like so empowering. And I came home with like this totally different mindset and I was like, I'm getting back into yoga and I'm gonna get back into hike. I started hiking everywhere, traveling everywhere. I'm constantly on the go. And I'm always looking for places to go hike. It's like the place that I feel like I do the most healing mm-hmm. is outside. And throughout all of my grief over the last five years, I felt like every time that I'm struggling is I need to go hike. I need to go be outside and, like, really put my hands in the dirt or something.
1: Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And I, and I, I mean, I, the, the air does something for you, that oh, fresh yeah. air. Because I saw you before you had this this, you know, outdoor moment and after. And just it's such a change between how – you handle life and how life comes at you and just your energy you can see it i I think that's one of the things that made us our our minds tick when we thought about camp resilient taking this outdoors and and harnessing that fresh air and those activities it's just something that can't be explained but i think humans as animals are supposed to be doing this you know we're not supposed to be in a cubicle talking to a stranger about something that's the hardest thing you've ever done in your life
2: right yeah
0: Yeah, it's amazing i mean even though I've, i've I haven't served or anything, but just, you know, I find myself not being really outside a whole lot anymore just with me and my thoughts. And, you know, once you do have the – because i got a four- and a five-year-old, and we never – you know, it's constant work. And, you know, I'm working as a real estate agent, and I'm working as a musician. So, I mean, sometimes it's nice when I get to play music outside, but I'm still not alone with my thoughts or at least in a small circle. And I think, you know, when you can just be – have a little bit of that, you know, small circle out in in the wilderness kind of thing, it just really makes you – just in touch with your your soul you know what i mean just really brings you back to the bare minimum where you know humans were just supposed to be you know and i think it helps a lot mentally so um so yeah i mean uh let's talk a little bit about ourselves here you know um what what uh, what's uh jason what's uh what's what you up to these days i know you're an artist as well um and you're a published author if you'd like to talk about a little bit of that um kind of the hobbies that you do and
1: sure uh i mean those are a couple of the, the therapies that I stumbled into after 23 years in the army. It's doing a lot of writing. Mm-hmm. Like writing helps me, and I like helping other people to write and to publish books. Uh, I just helped a, a, a veteran publish two books, and a uh, an SIV, an interpreter who worked with our forces in Kunar and Pro, province in Afghanistan for five years straight, where almost where the majority of the medals of honor came from. This interpreter uh, did all that, so I helped him write a couple of books and publish them, uh, and he just got his American citizenship. So really cool to work That's with awesome. that. And I'm doing a lot of painting. My wife is patient; has been, she's an artist and has been teaching me how to do some painting and, you know, putting those into to art competitions. But something, you know, it's just other ways you can focus. Uh, I, you know, we walk every day; we get outside. But I, I like to do other things that kind of get me to focus for a little while and shut down and, and not think about anything else except the project I'm working on. So yeah. that's been a, a fun adventure. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm excited. I know we've
0: been talking about it for a while and we're just both so busy, but I, I'm excited to write a little bit of music with you. I know you play a little bit of guitar too. And um, as a creative person and an author and, you know, just to be able to get the creative juices flowing is, is always nice. I, I'm, I wish I did it more. I find myself not having much time or making the time to really be really creative. I mean, that's kind of what this show is a little bit about—is kind of getting that creative juice out. But uh you know, um, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to writing some music with you. I think we could write a really good song, man. So yeah, absolutely. So.
3: What? Yeah. I play the guitar. Come on, let's start a okay. band. Okay, oh,
0: we're going to start a band. Uh, <laughs> All
3: right, sweet. Easy
0: peasy. We're going to call ourselves. <laughs> Frank, you got these creative ideas. Band resilient, resilient band. Resi- <laughs> resilient band. <laughs> Welcome everybody. <laughs> we'll have to come up with a funny name. It'll be fun. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Lila, you also work at Veterans Guardian. Is that I correct? I do. Can you explain a little bit about what they do?
2: So, Veterans Guardian is a local business. Obviously, I'm right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a independent consulting via disability company which in a nutshell means that a veteran who has been struggling with getting their claims to the VA um, or not happy with the ratings they've received in the past can contact us. Um, They can either come in person or online. We have clients all over the world um, and sit down and just in the title consult with them on what is the best strategy for their claim process and nearly all of our veterans after the process whether it was where they got to that goal they wanted or even if they didn't they said just to have that validation of of being listened to um for most of them more than having a successful outcome so that's that is awesome. what we do yeah
0: and i've heard uh, i mean i'm not in the military but i've heard unfortunately when the government gets involved in things you know it's uh, it's not always this uh, well-oiled machine um <laughs> who told <will>. you <laughs> that no. no. so uh you know i mean I- i've heard that it's just veterans guardians is just a really fantastic thing for especially when you're getting out of the, the, the service and you just have so much paperwork and what to do and try to get your your maximum benefit you know and i hear yeah. a lot of times soldiers without help don't get yeah. that maximum benefit they're owed
2: it's yeah my, Similar to Brit's situation with that inundation with paperwork, anytime you go through a major transition in the military, you're, you're hit with all of this, but that's also at a time where your life's changing, your your identity is getting ready to change in a larger way than most people comprehend, and you're like, yep, I'll go look with, look at it, but your mind's elsewhere, you're like, okay, where am I going to live after this, do I have a job lined up, I'll, I'll take care of this later, and you know, some people are on top of it and are able to take care of it right when they get out, but others later is years, sometimes decades later. Um, and with the VA, with any government bureaucracy, the, the rules change yearly, sometimes quarterly. So what you were told oftentimes when you did initially out-process has changed by the time you do file. Um, and it is an incredibly bureaucratic, system, um, just for an example, a veteran can submit their claim. The VA contacts you and says it's not submitted on the right form. <laughs> so gosh. let's say you have worked through your anchor issues at the VA over this, <laughs> and you do resubmit it on the right form, and then again, they contact you again and say, nope, we need it on the previous form. Oh, my gosh. So, and it does happen. Um, so like I tell veterans who contact us we're here to give you the right answers so that the path ahead of you is clear um, and you can make the decision for yourself on on how you want to move forward but we're also here to help you with those situations because I've been there receiving those letters that it's on the wrong form and then after some choice words and maybe some papers flying around my house a few <laughs> pieces of furniture kick, Um yeah
0: And you guys employ uh, many. How many veterans do you employ now? Veterans Garden, roughly.
2: We have to be at least uh, 70 veterans, but also spouses, active duty spouses. And I think we're one of, if not the, one of the foremost leaders within the community of companies who hire active duty spouses, because it is, for businesses, you you know, or there's a strong possibility that that individual will leave in a few years when their service member spouse changes duty assignment. But the great thing with Veterans Guardian is that everything is set up to operate remotely. So in the time that I've been with the company, we've had spouses who had to move with their spouse, uh, and they were able to keep working. So just the fact that you have a job that can move with you, and you're still supporting the veteran community, and you're still supporting your family. Um, mm-hmm. It's just wonderful, and it's an opportunity that most companies do not afford mm-hmm. active duty spouses. It's
1: yeah. a it's an impressive company. I mean, I, I've known Scott since he had mm-hmm. the idea to come. with him. I mean, Scott Greenblatt and Bill Taylor, who mm-hmm. who put this together. I mean, they really do serve the community, and providing all those jobs. Helping out people with a very complex process that's just painful. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've I've seen, you know, mm-hmm. people giving um, – you know, I was there one day when they were filming people, you know, talking about their experience there. And you know, seeing these Korean War veterans and Vietnam veterans have been like, I've been working on this for 40 years. Gosh. These guys solved it in a couple months. You know, that's that's a priceless thing. So, I mean, they'd be great guys to have on the show. And they were some of the first to step up when we talked about forming Camp Resilient. You know, they always help military um, nonprofits. They're like, yep, we're with you absolutely we need it we'll we'll help fund it so i'm
4: sorry to butt in again but it's just got me wondering how long has veterans guardian been an organization and second question which was actually my first was you spoke about remote work Mm -hmm. that makes me wonder is it a national organization or is it a local a regional organization that just has people who have moved away
2: it's it's a regional organization that has people who have moved away and so one of the reasoning behind that setup it, it wasn't initially done that way to accommodate for spouses that was just a, a, happy, some, accident. a, a happy i don't want to say happy it was is <laughs> a happy thing scott and bill take care of everyone who works there um so they're going to do their best by everyone um but
1: they'll take customers from anywhere in the they, world. They will, that's and nice so, to so and that's what's going. With but it. they'll help anybody. So they'll do that. Okay. And the
2: primary reason was one to reach our veterans who live, who are either doing contract work in other countries or who've decided to move and live on the economy somewhere else. But also, um, especially for people like me who have anxiety related to their PTSD. There's some days you don't want to physically leave your house to talk to anyone. Um, one of the clients that I had, she said, you're great. I, I love this. I want to move forward, but I don't ever want to talk to you again. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, no, I said, that's great. Mm-hmm. We can do this through text. We can do this through email. So it is set up to help the veteran as much as we can through this process with whatever means of communication is best right. for meet, them. Meet them where yeah, they're comfortable. Meet them where they're mm-hmm. at instead of saying, you know, nope, you you come here. And for some veterans with mobility issues, um, financial issues, even to, you know, deviate from your, your plan is going to take up gas that you didn't plan on I mean some people are budgeted down to the dime and that's the beauty of Veterans Guardian is you you can stay home and talk to us Yeah, Yeah.
4: or in some cases that could take a day of doing something else something productive that could to your point Jason give them something to focus on to help them heal instead they might be going to a meeting that they never wanted to go to in the first place Mm -hmm.
2: yeah Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
4: thank
0: you
2: no you're welcome
0: yeah, so uh, let's see. What else we want to talk about there, Frank?
1: You got any ideas, man? Um, let's find out what Britt's been up
0: to. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I
2: that's totally went that. off seen on a, you in a while. tangent. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine.
1: No, that's fine. <laughs> what have you been up to? Well, since you asked,
4: yeah. when did you go to Kilimanjaro? Mm,
3: I went to Kilimanjaro in 2019. Okay. Yeah.
4: So not that long ago. No. Mm
3: feels like it's been a long time now
4: well i think i think we can all relate to 2019 feeling like a long time yeah. ago
3: because <laughs> well, follow up 2020 we were supposed to i was going to go with taps and go do uh machu picchu right. oh. and it all mm. got canceled and right. then it just kept getting bumped and i was like ah. so i ended up doing other stuff but i was mm. going to keep continuing on with it and you know life had other plans
0: well that's another good point how, how did you find um how did what helped you get through the pandemic because i think for even soldiers and everybody in general just you know being at home you know just stuck not going maybe for a while they're not going to work or just being alone um i know had uh, it's challenges for everybody and whatever occupation you're in or whatever but were there any things that helped you get through i mean did you just take a lot more did you still travel did you take a lot of nature walks i mean were there anything special that you found that helped you get through that hard time?
3: Yoga. Awesome. At Haasana. Okay. All the time. I still go like three or four days a week. Like awesome. It's the best. I did a lot of yoga. Um, I did. I spent a lot of time like outside just like kind of going to Weymouth Woods. Mm-hmm. And I'd take my dogs and walk there and I still did travel. Um, I think I went out to the Grand Canyon. Um, Wait, let me think. I did the Grand Canyon. I did, uh, I did, I went to Arches National Park. I went to Colorado and did some hikes out there. Utah, did some hikes out there. I bounced around. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always doing stuff. But then I got, I did a lot of, I graduated. Oh yeah,
1: <laughs> just schooling.
3: I got my master's during wow. the pandemic. Forgot about that. That was a big deal.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> just yeah. slipped my mind.
3: No, nothing big. Just a master's degree.
0: You did the school thing. Yeah, I got my
3: master's <laughs> during the pandemic, and then I went straight in, and I'm currently um, getting my PhD.
0: Wow. And what are you getting? What are you studying?
3: Um, Industrial organizational psychology.
0: Wow. Yeah. That sounds very important. It
3: sounds fancy, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. it? Yeah, sounds nice. very specific. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great because it's actually very broad. Um, but yeah, I'm still working on that. I think I have like a year or a year and a half left. Wow.
4: So That's is awesome. that like um, like the way an uh, organization might be or organized? I don't Struct, know. Structure. Structured. Thank Structured. you. What is sounds, industrial what you organizational
3: <laughs> psychology? Oh my gosh, thanks. Um, so it's like super broad. It's more of like the corporate stuff of like, um, like HR and the psychology behind like employee motivation and um, employee retention, things like that, like ways to uh, help organizations be successful from like a psychological standpoint. Wow.
0: That's
4: impressive. That sure. does sound broad. Now that you say it that way.
3: Yeah, I'll be able to do like lots of stuff with it. Hopefully, fingers that's awesome. crossed. Yeah. <laughs>
0: well, it's awesome you've done, been able to do so much, and um, you know, and what appears to be, you know, I'm sure you deal with it every day, but um, to be pushing yourself to really um, just go after life, you know, I think that's fantastic. Um, yeah, in, I'm in
3: chasing it. a little wild thing around, so yeah. yeah, that keeps me going.
0: Yeah, you gotta you gotta do it for the kids that's for sure it's uh it makes you wake up every day and, and realize you better better bust your <laughs> bust <laughs> your new what you know what uh to to make sure that they're taken care of so that's great so oh, that's
2: am true. i the only person that's from here no, I'm from here. You're from Moore County. So, yeah, you okay. Were born, you were born here. I was born here, More Regional, right okay. down the road. Yeah. yeah. Doctor Buckley. Oh, too. Oh, Did I don't you? know what doctor delivered me. Oh, I am. Yeah, I'm
3: weird like that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I was born in Chesapeake, Virginia, and, uh, but we moved here. I think when I was like three years old. So I was here most that of my counts. younger life. Yeah.
4: yeah. Were you? Were your parents still active duty at that time?
0: No, they had. Uh, they were only in the Air Force for four years. They met at. Uh, what's the air force uh, in, in montgomery alabama what's the post there oh, i think it closed uh, i can't think of the name yeah.
2: of it i can't
0: but they, they were they were that's where they met um my, my mom is a few years younger than my dad so he was out for a year i think a year or two before she got out but they that's where they met um in their younger years and
4: so okay so they were like Twenties. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah okay, they, were, okay. they did one one four year old four year old. I don't know what I was that's a, that's a good
4: question, And we won't we won't go yeah.
0: there. Yeah, Are you uh,
3: Google can you Google taps while you're at tra- Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors, I there think you is go. One. Uh,
2: I'm gonna you guess. Yourself, I think.
1: Oh I think <laughs> Maxwell Air Force Base is what's yep, down in Montgomery. Yeah, yeah. Maxwell. Mm-hmm. I went there a couple times when I was at Auburn. Oh yeah,
0: because yeah, tell us about that. You you went to school there in Auburn for a while. You?
1: Yeah, this is, so my f- first career was enlisted in, in the military, and then I, I got lucky, got a college scholarship, and so went down to Alabama, uh, was a freshman at Tuskegee, and then finished up at Auburn University, so did four years down there. Hot tip, if you do meet a bartender... They're good for marriage. It's like we're coming um, up on twenty-five years. No, I
2: was like, "Why do so Oh, you know that. Yeah,
1: I met I met my bartender at Fort Bragg, and then we go. we went off sure. to college together, and both got our degrees, and came back to Fort Bragg because everybody does. Awesome. Uh, and then uh, we so staying married, we're going on twenty-five years. You're
4: twenty-three years in. Are you including the you know, before and after your college?
1: Yeah, that's everything. Okay. Yeah, active yeah. active reserve and enlisted in commission time. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, you yet, really like my questions, <laughs> don't I, I
2: do because they're very specific. <laughs> There's a thread there, and I don't know if I'm brave enough to follow it yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> don't um, know what. Yeah, uh, if you don't, if you don't mind, if if you can, you tell us a little bit about your time in in the military and kind of a little backstory on that.
1: Sure. Um, so I started out had no military history really in my family. Not a lot of service, sporadic, but. Um, some, some Vietnam veterans talked to me into joining the military, which was the best advice I ever got. Uh, so I ended up going to guaranteed going to Fort Bragg to join the 82nd Airborne Division as an infantryman uh, and ended up in, in the same battalion that, that Chris was in. And so that was uh, where I started as a white devil in the 504th and uh, did that for five years and got a scholar, college scholarship, went off to, to college, came back as a a combat engineer as a sapper uh, platoon leader back to the 82nd Airborne Division and then I got um, after one of my deployments in Afghanistan uh, as a sapper uh, doing uh, engineer work got assigned to help the Afghans build their army and that just shifted my career I focused on Afghanistan for the rest of my uh, time in service and became a, a specialist of South Asia for the Army. Studied the languages, the culture. Got a master's degree in looking at that, and and really just worked on Afghanistan. And through even after I retired in 2015, I kept getting pulled back into working on Afghanistan to help CENTCOM or help NATO or uh, help the U.S. government or the Afghan government look at different projects and um, helping on the evacuation uh, when the when the uh, Taliban. Uh, Collapsed the the previous government, and we had to get people out. So I worked on that uh, pretty heavily, and and put together a, a, a volunteer group of military and diplomatic, intelligence and humanitarian folks to to keep looking at Afghanistan. So I'm still working as a director of global friends of afghanistan we still look at what's going on over there and help afghans to uh, get their voices out and get the truth out of what's going on on the ground over there and help people with resettlement here in america you know we have a lot of uh, afghan refugees here so our team is helping with that as well
0: that's awesome thank you very much for everything you've done for sure i mean you have a storied career for sure in in the military and, and still you know finding time to do the things that you do and the uh, organizations you're part of, uh, you know, there's definitely almost too many to name. You, you're a busy man, and uh, you help um, so many communities, not just the Americans. So that's awesome. Thank you. Um, yeah, so uh, – I think it, you should
4: mention, Tony told me before you guys got here that you were the first to translate the Quran. Is that correct?
2: Yes.
0: Yes, well, that's what I thought. Or
1: first
4: soldier. First in soldier.
1: soldier.
2: First in, soldier. Okay. in modern English.
1: Modern English. Yeah, there's yes. about 100 in- – Quran translations out there in English but most people English is not their first language so the English is sketchy mm. uh, but oh, okay. I, I was the first soldier professional soldier to, to take that on and uh, translate it and interpret it and put it in modern English in and, a readable fashion so that was wow. that was what really kicked off my book writing uh, career was was working on that book mm, Wow. When
4: did, when did you do that
1: uh, so I started it in 2016 and I published it in 2017 and uh, did That started a whole interfaith journey of speaking about Islam, traveling around the world, even having a podcast about Islam, and uh, and I'm a professor of Islamic studies with the Air Force, and uh, it just started a whole other kettle of fish that I had no idea I was going to stumble into. But people have questions about other religions, and I had answers, so that just kind of became something I would do. What was your podcast called,
4: or do you still do it?
1: Uh, No, we did it for about eighteen months. Got you know, lots of hours of episodes. It's really an it's a Islam 101 podcast. It's called We're Just Talking About It. Mm-hmm.
2: Awesome.
1: Yeah, We're Just Talking About It. Uh, and I did it with a military spouse who was my producer and, and the engineer on the show. And so it was a Catholic, a Baptist, and a Muslim, the three of us, a Muslim from <laughs> somewhere in the world walking into a bar. <laughs> it was the beginning of a joke. Uh, and we just talked about religion for an hour and kind of broke that up into little 20-minute segments that we aired to help people hear about Islam from Muslims from around the world. And uh, I think it was probably about half Muslim women, half Muslim men, uh, from various different uh, countries and backgrounds. Some from some in the U.S., some outside, and just to let people hear it from their point of view. A discussion about a religion uh, and different religions, and where they overlap and where they their misunderstandings. So that was the aim of that.
0: I think that's very important work. I mean, you know, it's. uh Many places, even in America, you have you know people that literally are born one place in this small rural town and they stay there their entire lives, and they probably don't have access to a lot of the education. And, you know that uh, the cause of, of a lot of wars is you know misunderstandings about religion and and things like that. So I think having. You said a Catholic, a Baptist, and a, and a Muslim? Yeah. Wow. I mean, that that's the,
1: the podcast. That's a A Catholic, huge thing. a Baptist,
4: and a Muslim. Start a pod. I mean, there's – Start a podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think just getting them in the same room to talk about things like that, I mean, and to be open-minded enough to really – Try to understand each other. I think that's a huge thing because, you know, we uh, America struggles with that, just like many other countries, you know. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, we've been on a mission really at Camp Resilient to help the community understand. I mean, there's a lot of military in this community, but there's a lot of people that don't know anything about it. They moved here for a lot of other reasons, you know, horses, golf, just retirement, quiet place. So we've been, you know, really trying to help people understand what the needs are in the military community. And so we're expanding our team right now. We're excited to, um, we're we're kind of bringing in some people who are interested in fundraising. So if there's anybody listening who loves to fundraise or has great ideas about it, if you want to jump on the team, we're kind of expanding the fundraising team right now. Uh, So so We've got this great 75 acre horse farm that we're, we're utilizing. So now we want to crank up and do more programs and open the door and get more and more people help. Uh, We've kind of gone through the first year and a half of building and building and testing and, uh, so we're ready to really open the floodgates. If there's anybody out there that's interested in, you know, being a part of the team or being a donor or a sponsor or, or being part of Camp Resilient, we're happy to have you join the team.
0: Yeah, let's talk about uh, let's talk about the, the the fundraiser that we did at Forest Creek, maybe, and some of the ambassadors, and also, uh, you know, some uh, political people that are high up in North Carolina, you know, that kind of support our cause here.
1: Yeah, that was a, that was a really fun one. We got together at, at Forest Creek, uh, you know. Uh, Congressman uh, Richard Hudson came down to speak, and we had our, one of our ambassadors, uh, Tim Torres, came down from D.C. to. He's uh, you know, a warrant officer, grew up in Ranger Regiment, you know, with you know, twelve tours and uh, lots of different. Uh, he grew up in Afghanistan, you know, so bringing in these smart people. We got great people like Fran Campbell, uh, who lives out at Forest Creek, who's just one of our, you know, angel donors to making all this happen. She had a couple of military members in her family, and she just truly believes in helping out the military community uh, and not just saying it, but doing it, you know, and that's, that's the great part about the team we brought together. We got Frank and Missy Quiss, Veterans um, Guardian are a big part of the team. Debbie. Yeah, Debbie Davis.
2: Mm-hmm. with cooper and bailey down in the village yep, yep.
1: so it, it has really been fantastic to see all the people from different walks of life come together uh that want to help out the military community help that military family so we're really blessed in that way and, and that was a, that was a wonderful moment to get get everybody together and you know tony played, played some music for us and uh and he kept me from playing music and singing <laughs> so that was good i just emceed instead of singing to everybody i mean i'll sing but yeah we'll you don't want. hear that for sure we're
0: doing the party. Uh, we raffled off a party at uh, a private party for 30 um, of their closest friends who ever won. And I think Scott Greenblatt it. It was Scott Greenblatt. Yeah. I
1: yeah. think veterans guardian tickets. is getting yeah. ready
2: to yeah, so, invade. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: So we're going to go uh, do that at Hatchet Brewing Company in, at the end of October. Yeah. And I'll uh, play a little bit of music and uh, do some, uh, some uh, drinking, some beer drinking maybe a little bit. Just a little bit. That'll be fun.
1: That happens that's, around here.
0: Yeah, that's why
4: it's been known. Yeah, it's been known to happen.
0: That's what I do with my hands.
3: <laughs> you hold yes. beer. Yes,
0: we don't have. <laughs> yeah, no, there's. There's I don't beer. Have beer. There's it's a early. bunch so. of beer here. Yes, know. we have cases of beer on the. <laughs> <laughs> is, that,
1: is that John Nagy over there with the cooler beer? Oh, Come yeah. on in.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: man. So we're doing some good things, and um, I'm happy to be a part of it. And just, uh, you know, like I said, I have no business rubbing elbows with these very special people that I've been able to meet in my life. Uh, you know, just it's amazing to me that I've been able to be a part of this community in that way because not many civilians get to see this and, and fellowship.
2: With, but that's why people. it works is, you know, when you say things like I shouldn't be rubbing elbows with you and that a lot of people don't understand the military. It's we're one community mm-hmm. and, and I don't want that to sound too cheesy, but Camp Brazilian cannot work without community backing support uh donations um people just asking and people checking in on their neighbor and asking what do you need can i help um sometimes not even physically but if you can't do that you can always give Mm -hmm. um and it we're not going to make it unless people give and it does help your community it's that's true. Yeah. Builds everybody up. So I told you I could lower the tone real quick. You're <laughs> oh, all positive. No, you're That's fantastic. What
4: yeah. you said earlier was keeps sticking out in my mind. Um, and now I am kind of blanking on the context. But you talked about how somebody's identity is going to change. You know, major life changes, whether that be leaving the military or losing someone you love. Uh, the identity that somebody holds is unique to them, and and I think that I, I'm I'm still kind of trying to form, but it keeps coming back into my head. But the community has an identity, and that identity is well. Let me say it this way: the community has an identity that y- sees itself. Has that identity, you know, play gives it our worldview, our self view, yeah. But then, civilians and those outside of the community, unconsciously, maybe, but I think we are all want to place an identity on someone, and I think it goes to the work that you did with the podcast, um, the uh, associations people have with certain religions or certain vocations or. Even if it's just a a regular old job, uh, I think that that needs to be discussed and recognized. Yes,
2: Mm. I agree. It's, um, you know, not to get too personal, but it's something that within my own family, um, with, you know, my father passed away, it'll be 20 years ago, um, in a few weeks, uh, while I was on active duty, so you know, being away from the family to process that, you know, it took a lot of years for that to happen, but then also, you know, only now within the last few years realizing that my mother and my siblings, aunts, uncles, cousins, they had no idea how to help me or how to support me when I came back from both of my deployments. of that mindset you know what you were saying is our identity our labels but when you're on the outside looking in you know my mother i I love her i hope she doesn't hear this but uh (laughs) her her phrase was always you know your dad's generation the vietnam generation they got back and got on with it and i'm sitting here going did did they because i remember a lot of people drinking i remember the five thousand mile stare i you know looking back and i'm like so i i I think that mindset of everyone comes back and you just get on with it, whether that's coming from your family, your community, and whether that's coming from the veteran or the service member of, oh, this is what I'm trained to do or you're trained to do. You're supposed to come back and just roll back into it and it not be an issue. And so for a long time that was very detrimental to me, um, one identifying that I do have a problem and I need to speak to somebody and acting on it and then you know with Britt said being in that clinical therapy setting there's that mindset that oh you went to therapy and they gave you medication that's supposed to work and you've got X amount of time within treatment to to make that happen and if it didn't work then you know it's just you look at people and go well you you did that why why are you still having troubles and so that's you're fixed yeah you're you're fixed I'm using that in air quotes and it's right it, it's a process and that's where Camp Brazilian one of the other things they come in is that clinical therapy does not work work um, for everyone and y- you need more, you need a space to, to supplement, if you will. And for me I've to get very personal, I've recently gone back into therapy and the big difference now that I'm older, somewhat smarter is that uh trying to integrate that into my daily life whereas before when i was going through my first two rounds of it i was i'd gone down to school to very part-time and so it was literally therapy unload my soul unload my mind come home sleep repeat do it all again whereas now trying to stay physically present trying to go through my daily routines to where I don't get to check out and stop and so that's I think where Camp Brazilian comes into it is that it's giving you the tools to where you don't stop being a member of your community you don't stop being a member of your family or your unit or the job that you hold it's helping you build the tools to add to that kit you already have to process and heal on your own and still still function and that's one of the things I personally dislike with clinical therapy is it in a lot of ways your things stop in your life like I have to catch myself on a daily basis of going oh I can't do that I have therapy or I I can't do that I have to process this today and just this refusal of no I'm not (laughs) I'm not doing that again I'm not you know losing a lot of years from that that mindset and slowly bringing my family in on it so they understand hopefully right. as well yeah.
4: and i think that speaks to the support system that you mentioned before mm-hmm. and that that's what camp resilient yes allows the people who reach out to you and mm-hmm. you know i can re- I've just recently started some therapy as well. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we should continue mm-hmm. down this Let's because do I'm happy to talk about this and, you know, keep going with yeah, this. I but guess. then it's like it's our own personal therapy.
0: Session. Well, just real quick. I want to I was going to say I, I thank you both for I mean, for talking about it, because I think yeah. this whole thing, you sharing that as somebody else might be listening, mm-hmm. you know, saying, well, you know, it's okay to talk about it. Really, I think that's the biggest thing is you have you don't have to have this stigma not to talk about personal yeah. things. I think that helps everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, I you.
4: think, and that's kind of what I was going to get to. It's you know, without a support system, it's easy to withdraw, mm-hmm. and you know, maybe your mother's mentioned and you mentioned maybe that's the service member themselves yeah like it's easy for me and that's one of the things that I've one of the reasons why I've gone back well back in I mm-hmm. did some therapy when I was younger but I don't know I'm I'm different and to your yeah. point you know I'm a different person now and I find myself with the stress of life and two kids a job that has been building uh you know more stress over time and I didn't realize that I had come to this place where I was withdrawing in on myself and I wasn't building a support or using the support system mm-hmm. that I had access to and then I lost my grandfather recently oh,
2: I'm sorry and it
4: just kind of shifted you know m- mm-hmm. my whole identity and it really
2: yeah
4: it re- really just it was it was really hard for me. And, you know, I found the things that I was just kind of maintaining falling through. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, compounded all my stressors and all mm-hmm. of that stuff. And so I think, I, I don't know, I'm just, now I'm kind of just rambling. No, no, you're
2: fine. I cannot, you know, speaking to support system, I... I hope my family never hears this. I, I <laughs> oh, love them. They, as of right now, they are not my support system. They, they are part of my life. Um, helping them some days is helps me not withdraw into myself when I have to focus on w- what do they need. Whether that means you know being a great auntie, being a good daughter, being a good sister or niece, it it does help, but. Um, I don't want to make you cry, Jason, but uh, Jason, the board at Camp Resilient, the practitioners we've gone on, people I I work with, uh, those are, they're my support system when, uh, you didn't know this, but when you approached me about Camp Resilient, that, that was that lift up I needed at that time going, okay, I haven't monumentally messed up in life with putting things on hold that you know Jason saw something that I didn't see in myself or thought that it was impossible so I I do appreciate that and I've never told him that before but just uh there are days where I get down on myself a lot and I'll I'll go to Jason or I'll go to Laura and, and Adam and Patty, and they're all our board members. And they're like, no, it's fine. Or so they're like, ah, it's not a mistake. They're like, we're growing. It's fine. I'm like, okay. So just to, to have that support system to give you some perspective and say, no, things aren't things aren't as bad as you think they are. It gets you through right. the day sometimes. Yeah.
4: yeah, sometimes that is all you need. Mm-hmm.
2: That that one text message from someone going hi or, or uh, someone's enthusiasm brits enthusiasm all the time like whenever i'm around her, i'm like i can't have i can't have a bad day like even even brit at her most down she is still glowing she is still radiating and it okay. is just a moment and she's just always smiling and i'm like ha, nothing can be that bad like brit's happy so. i text
3: her and she was like do you need anything i was like so much orange juice and she shows up with like three <laughs> bottles like you're an angel
2: <laughs> no it's a uh, yeah
1: I think a lot of it's about breaking down that myth that used to exist. And I, I used to drink a lot of beer with World War II and, and uh, Korean and Vietnam veterans at airborne reunions. And I'll tell you, nobody was just getting on with it when they got home. Mm-hmm. You can get on with life, but you'll never recover from some of the trauma that you experience. I mean, the, I had guys, you know, breaking down over lunch with a couple of beers and a hamburger in Atlanta, you know, sitting in some hotel ballroom. and World War II veteran, you know, starts crying. And he's thinking you know talking about some of the things he did with his buddies in, in Europe, you know, fighting Nazis, and that stuff is in there for life. you got to break that myth that you just get on with it. you have to have a support group, you have to do some kind of therapy so it doesn't matter if it's climbing mountains or painting things or fishing. volunteering and fundraising or fishing or yeah. you know i've got I see all the stuff my buddies are into that had have these very you know Traumatic and heroic experiences in their lives and what they do to keep busy. I love seeing that on Facebook. All the different things. You know, one buddy that had a struggle, he just became a, a master scuba diver instructor. You know, that's his thing. That's what he wants to do. I want another buddy teaching his son how to work on cars. It's a therapy. It's something you're doing and it's just tapping into what it is for you. I think that's what we really liked about Camp Resilient. It's just this big menu of what works for you. We'll teach you ten different modalities. You do the ones that that make sense. You Mm -hmm. sign up for the ones that make sense. You put it in your toolkit and you build that support network. You know, that's another way, just getting people out there. We've met a lot of great people through Camp Resilient already. Just building that team and that support network.
2: And, and you team. can come back as much as you want. That was one of the first things we talked about with um, the military and other organizations. It was often a, a one-and-done thing. Like, um biggest example is a marriage retreat, <laughs> and you're, you're away, and it's one weekend. And one weekend, you're going to be able <laughs> to, to – Fix your marriage and all these deployments and all this resentment that's built up, it's all it's all gonna go away in one weekend. And Gosh. yeah, right. You're laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the beauty of Camp Resilient. You come back as often as you need because as I learned with my therapy, it wasn't a you know, one or two times and done and just and I did, I got very overly confident thinking I'm good I I did this I've got it and then you know moving back home a few years ago and meeting Jason and just having that time to life slowed me down and then realizing I'm I don't got it (laughs) um and so that's even yesterday I went out uh with Laura and a few of the providers for this thing and I just we were walking the, the farm, walking the trail, and my shoulders started relaxing. I'm going, Oh, I've been so tense for months and I'm just like oh, my my shoulders have been hiked up to my earlobes for so long and I'm just <laughs> even now I'm just sitting here and just talking and I'm feeling myself relax and it's nice. So I'm
3: gonna yeah. piggyback off of Jason. What is it that you just said?
1: Oh, would it find your therapy, whether it's hiking uh, mountains, all the mm-hmm. different things, shoulders, shoulders. <laughs> relaxing.
2: Oh. Yeah. drinking I, with World War II veterans. That was the. That was the. You're sitting the in a concept. hotel room, and that the things you the things you carry. they're Tim O'Brien, one of my favorite books. Um, that, that that's part of your fabric. It is. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. The, so yeah. it was. It was last year during the Afghan withdrawal. So at. Chris's anniversary of his passing is August second, and the withdrawal was what the twenty second, something yeah, it like that. Was close. <laughs> yeah. It was very close. close. I, at that point of four years in, thought I am like so good. I'm like doing great. I have you know a three year old. I'm in school. I travel. I hike. I have healed so much. I've done so much, and the withdrawal happened, and I crashed and burned. Like it was awful. I. Um, I remember I talked to – there's a a lady I speak with with Tunnel to Towers, and I I correspond with her pretty regularly. I called her in, like, the middle of the day, just, like, bawling my eyes out. I was like, I don't know who else to call right now, and you just emailed me, and you're the first person, and I don't know what to do. Like, I'm not okay. And um, so she talked to me. She gave me the number for, like, um, a therapist that they provide, and then I called, like, a local place, and I I went right back into therapy. And I was like, I don't think I – I'm okay. Like I don't think I healed at all. Like I thought I did. I think I was so busy and I was so distracted. And I think I did it to myself to not have to sit around and think about all the things that I wasn't thinking about. And when it all finally like came to a head, I was like, "Why is it so hard?" Like you know, because. It, August 2nd is Chris's anniversary. Um, August 13th is my birthday. August 14th, he was buried. Uh, the withdrawal happened right after that. Then our anniversary is October 15th for our wedding. And then November 3rd is his birthday. And then it's Christmas. So like from August to December, has been a pretty hard time where I'm just like, go, 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 go. And last year, I didn't have a lot of things going on. I didn't have a lot of stuff planned. And the withdrawal happened, and I was just like everything just kind of came pouring out and I went back to therapy and I was like I have been keeping everything deep down inside for years and I didn't realize it until just now and I need to talk about it and so it was when I like kind of acknowledged that I was doing that to myself that I could actually talk about it and I was like I've been fooling myself Mm -hmm. I didn't heal through that I didn't do this at like some super fast rate where I'm like awesome like I just didn't think about it and i even saw like this like quote online it was like did you heal from it or are you forcing yourself not to think about it Mm. and i was like oh i'm not thinking about it i'm not talking about it i'm not handling that Mm. and like now that i talk about it more and um think about it and deal with it in a better more healthy way and i know that there's like tons of like soldiers and spouses that are doing the same thing like i just won't talk about it and it's not there you know we just won't address Mm -hmm. the elephant in the room yeah
1: that's thank that, you for that testimony. Seriously, yeah, that's absolutely the critical piece. Is just keep talk. talking and keep in touch with people. I think that's what those those World War II airborne reunions were really about. You know, a couple of weeks out of the year, I'm going to go be with my buddies mm-hmm. and their families and and just talk and spend time together. I mean, that's important.
0: Yeah, some nights with people that went through similar things that you can relate to. You know. Uh, that's huge, and uh, change, you know, everybody goes through just different changes of identity throughout their whole life and different mm-hmm. chapters, you know, and I think it's important to have a positive um, support group to help you in that changing time, you know, because I'm not the same person I was in college or high school, for that's for damn sure, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I, I think it's a positive way, you know, reason, the thing, but, uh, but you know, I mean, you do, you kind of, a little piece of you, you, you always have that, and you always, and you want to appreciate what it meant to you in that moment, but you have to throughout life, you have to figure out with, and you can't do it without support. You know, you have to figure out how to change your identity a little bit, just to adapt to the new, the current situation. You know, I mean, I think everything hit, you know, things hit you and and you just got to be able to react to them and try to do it in the most positive way you can. And you can't do that alone. And you can't do it without a support group. And, you know, I think that's a lot of what we're trying to do is just make, just, People more resilient because yeah. there's it's, it, nobody can do it alone. You have to have a group that supports you. Yeah,
1: you know? it's just got to become normal. It's mm-hmm. normal to go get some help.
0: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Please talk about it. If you're listening to this, call somebody. If you don't have somebody, you know, call Camp Resilient. Somebody will put you in touch with somebody, or you know, just just make, talking about it. I think just helps. Gen, in general in life, you know, venting. I, I probably talk too much. I've, I, I think it's a good thing.
3: Same.
0: I think it's a good thing, but I like, I, I vent, you know, I, I don't trust me with a secret, you know what I mean? Because it's going to be like, oh, God. Wait, oh, no, oh, not the same. <laughs> you know, uh, I can't, uh, you know, I have to talk about it. I have to talk about it. I have to talk about it. So, you know, th- I think it's important, I think, you know, to do that.
2: Well, so. we're hopeful. Like the, the space that we've created out at the the Skowg Farm, I mean, we didn't have to do much. It was, it's, it's just there. It's gorgeous. Uh yesterday was the first morning I've been there now that the humidity's dropped and they've got they saw foxes on the property and and deer and you know the property itself is almost is over 100 years old so you have all of that old growth so it is our goal that by creating this space with the modalities that we have with the setup that you come back as much as you want that it creates a space to start conversations and that people can start verbalizing it. It's, it's very powerful to even say, I'm not okay. You can internalize that as much as you want. But the the day you say it out loud, even if it's to no one, but outside, that that's a big step, a big first step. Yeah,
3: you know, I think it was Chris's birthday when I finally was mm-hmm. like, because it was Virginia that runs HaAsana.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: She has a son that passed away. And a few months prior to Chris's anniversary, I think is her sons and she had posted something and she was like you today you would be 30 years old I can't remember exactly what it was. she was like you would be this many years old but instead you're infinite and I read that like my heart broke and I was like oh my gosh like and I I, I quoted her and like gave her credit on a, a picture of Chris on his birthday and I was like today you'd be 30 years old but instead you're infinite and I was like he doesn't get to do any of this stuff that I'm doing mm-hmm. and it just like it really just cracked me open. And I was like, I'm not okay. I have not thought about that. Like I've thought about me and like my grief and like what Christian and I have to go through. Mm -hmm. But I was like, he's missing out on everything. He's going to be 25 forever. And like, you know, in one part of my brain, it's like, I know that. But then the emotional part where I'd never really sat down and thought about that. I was like, that hurts. Like that hurts me to think about. And that's when I was like, I got to go back to therapy. Like it was someone else saying something that made me realize, like, I'm not okay. And it was that community and that support. And I was like, I messaged her. I have talked to her, like, you know, in depth about loss and stuff. And it's, I think I was trying to do a lot of it on my own. And it wasn't until I started, like, getting back out into the community and being around other people that were like, hey, I I don't know what you've been through, but I've been through something similar. And I was like, okay, like, it's a safe place here.
2: Yeah. We we all have universal threads, even though you you both weren't in the military and you know some of our most of our community wasn't either we all know loss we all know not being comfortable in our own skin or okay with where we're at so that that doesn't change regardless of what you do for work or or what title or label you identify with or hold on to yourself um those are human emotions at the end of the day those are feelings those are things everyone experiences in some form or another and that's those are that's what makes us all a community Mm -hmm. um yeah
0: yeah. that's uh i'm again thank you brit lila jason Mm -hmm. frank um for sharing such personal stuff you know this is i mean this should be talked about you know that it's okay to get therapy Mm -hmm. it's okay to you know not be okay and you have to have people you can talk to and so many people i think the The sad part about it is that maybe those that end up, you never truly know what they're thinking, but probably many of them that end up committing suicide um, mm-hmm. probably just don't think they can talk about it. They don't have somebody they think they can talk to, or maybe they do, and they just don't know. So it's it's hugely important, especially in this community that we live in, you know, being so closely related with Fort Bragg and, mm-hmm. and all of what the military does. Um, I, I think this is a huge thing. Just please talk about it. You know, this is fantastic to share for me to hear this this personal stuff coming out this is what i wanted to hear this is what i wanted this show to be about is to talk to really talk to people that Mm -hmm. not just about what they're doing in the community and the things they're doing but what what were they about like what can they share and help people positively you know Uh, this is fantastic i mean i'm
3: an open book just keep asking just 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 ask i've had a lot of people like what can i ask you about chris's passing like all of it yeah, yeah. There's nothing that's off limits, and they're like, "Okay, what about the day you got notified?" I'm like, "Okay, let's talk about it then." And they're like, "Is it okay?" And I'm like, "It's totally okay." Yeah. Like, it, what? What good is it for me to keep all that inside? But I like that they ask. They do, you. yeah. They're you know, like, that's a big about deal that, that people
2: ask you and just don't.
3: Yeah, I've, well, I've had the opposite where they just ask, and <laughs> yeah. it's like on live news, CNN, and I'm oh, like, gosh. Oh my gosh, thanks. <laughs> oh, I don't know how to answer that." <laughs>
0: Would you mind sharing that that now that day?
3: I'm like dying no, I'm sorry. edit that out for oh, yeah. <laughs> and i have a child in school now so she just You're brings gonna get everything, everything, everything. Home. it's a petri dish yeah. she's like she, she'll she be good for like two weeks and then she'll walk that's, in the door go, and i'm like no, no. <laughs> yeah and i just got over this just
0: drink a lot of bourbon <laughs>
3: See,
0: everything, yeah. including I'm not a big things, drinker,
3: but... so like, <laughs> I'm a like if I I'm socially drink, but like at my house, never.
2: Good, that's a good thing. That's trust right. Me. I, that me. Think, I think you're the exception in this room, which yay.
3: <laughs> like I think it looks so classy to have like a glass of wine with your dinner. It's just like, my brain's like that. You don't do that. <laughs> You'll be sad. Like. I'd be a little
0: afraid to share <laughs> the size of my bourbon bar at my yeah, house. Sorry, sorry, Michelle. Sorry, okay. mom. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Okay, okay. What is it? What was your
3: What was your
0: question? Well, I mean, if if you maybe lastly, and I know we're. I like if we it's...
4: we are approaching a time, and the last thing I did want to um, everybody to share mm. is the, the process of contacting Camp Resilient. I mean, maybe that's something that is obvious to people in the community, but um, I do think it might be important for people who. For people to know what they do if they are feeling like they need somebody to reach out to, mm-hmm. um, but
0: yeah, I mean, is it? Britt, if we don't you have wanna, to, but if you'd like to share kind of that moment that you found out, just so that maybe somebody that unfortunately has to go through that same thing might have might kind of not be just alone, you know, just to hear this,
4: right? Thing. Some sort of insight.
3: Yeah, it's no problem. Um, so. Uh, <clears throat> a little backstory my uh my grandpa that like raised me, passed away unexpectedly in February two thousand seventeen had a heart attack So my first like super big loss, and Chris was there with me through that um like really just shook me to my core like does my father figure he was gone um, and a few months later, my best friend had her baby. She was wanting to make sure that Chris and I were going to be here. Like, he, he wasn't going to deploy in time. Like, he was going to get to be there. We're, like, the first people to hold the baby. She asked us to be, like, godparents, her and her husband. Um, she had some complications, and she ended up passing away the day that Chris deployed. And I was with her in Chapel Hill when they took her off life support, and he was on a plane to Afghanistan. And he was like, I'll stay, I'll stay. And I was like, no, no, no. Like, you know, I got me. I'm good. He's like, that's two losses in, like, just a short amount of time. Like, I'll stay and I was like nope I'll be okay like don't let me interfere with the military you know and then like three weeks into the deployment I was like I feel funny (laughs) I I took a pregnancy test and unexpectedly like accidentally like I was pregnant and I I told him over FaceTime and he was super excited and the only thing he ever wanted to do was be a dad so obviously like good news i'm freaking out stressed like oh my god how can we afford this Uh, like i didn't want to do this i told him like i don't want to get pregnant like because you're leaving and he was like that's fine like we're not trying whatever well that happened anyway so i was like great (laughs) so i'm like crunching numbers like how are we going to afford this and he's like i'm gonna take them fishing and i'm gonna do this and like let's pick out names and i'm like let's think realistically like about stuff that's like important like we don't even have room for a baby We only got like a week of that. Uh, I remember I sent him, I think it was like a listing, like a house listing, and I was like, we could rent this or something like that. And he didn't answer, and I was like, that's okay. And they didn't answer some more, and I was like, it's okay. And he told me before he left, like, don't get a schedule. Don't get used to a schedule, because when things change, you're gonna freak out. And I was like, I won't do it, and I totally did that. I was like, he should be answering right now. That's weird. And then a few hours went by and I was like, he's like still not answering. Like I'm starting to get nervous because um, I know like kind of what his routine is right now. So I asked like one of my girlfriends at, l- at work. I was like, hey, just go to lunch with me because like I don't feel very good. Like I'm super stressed. I already have really bad anxiety. So I was like, just go to lunch with me. And uh, we went to Wedgie's, it's like my favorite spot ever. It took me a really long time to go back to Wedgie's. <laughs> but, um, so we go over there and like we order our food. I'm just like, I'm really stressing out. And she's like, you're fine. And I order my food and I go sit down at the table and I see this uh, notification, it's like a military news uh, network app that I had on my phone. And it, all it said was um, two soldiers killed in Kandahar. And I just like threw my phone down. I was like, oh my God, it's Chris. And she was like, you're crazy. No, it's not. I was like, yeah, it is. Like, I know it. I feel it. She was like, no, you're not. I like started freaking out in wedgies. I was like, take me back to work. So we go back to work and I worked at a bank and I went into like one of my managers and I have like mascara all down my face. I'm like crying. I'm like, it's Chris. I know it's Chris. Like, I've got to leave. Like, I am absolutely terrified that they're going to come notify me. And of course, everyone's like, you're crazy. Like, there's no names. They're like, what is the likelihood that it's you? And I'm like, I know it. Like, I feel it. And then I'm like, and by the way, I'm pregnant, which nobody knew. So my manager was like, all right, if you'll calm down, I'll let you drive home. But you can't like this. Like, you're, you're hysterical. Like, you have to relax. And I'm like, okay. So she lets me go home. And I sit for a few hours and just obsessively send text messages to Chris like hello, hello, hello. Answer. Hey, hey. Where are you? Hello, hello. <clears throat> um, the messages had been sending, and then all of a sudden they stopped, like getting delivered. And I was like, oh okay. So I start like calling like FRG people, and I'm like, I know it's me. Like somebody just tell me. And they're like, we don't have names yet. Just please relax. Like everything's on like a uh, blackout. I think it's the term they use. Like no one can use phones right now. And I'm like yeah, but I know it's me, so let's just go ahead and, like, get it over with. Like, someone needs to say it so I can start processing it. And, like, everybody's kind of treating me the same. Like, you don't know, so just relax. Like, everybody's in the same boat. Everybody's waiting. And I'm like, no, I know it's me. And, uh, I'm just, like, pacing my yard and my house. And, uh, I'm, like, getting angry that, like, no one will confirm it. And then, um, at that point, I lived in High Falls down a little dirt road where nobody would have known a house was. And I see like a car with government tags pull up, and I'm like, oh, okay, like like it's like it's really me. And like the whole time that I wanted someone to confirm it, I actually wanted someone to not confirm it. I wanted someone to say it's not you, please stop. Um, but no one did. Everyone just said like, oh, we don't have names yet. And then when like a car pulled up in my driveway, I was like, oh crap, like no, it's like actually me. And like it started sinking in, and like two soldiers stepped out they're in their dress blues and I'm just like mad at them I was so furious I was like I don't want to talk to you and they were like are you the wife of specialist Christopher Harris and I said yeah and I don't remember anything else that they said after that I just blacked out essentially I was just like in shock and um they were like asking me questions and I was like yeah but like I'm pregnant and I want to go to a hospital Cause I feel like I'm gonna pass out, and they were like, I remember one guy was like flipping through papers. I was like, No, nope, nobody knows that, and he was like, Okay, like what do you want us to do? And I was just like, I don't know, like I I don't know what to do. I have no idea. Like I literally feel like I'm in shock. So they call an ambulance, and it ends up being the same ambulance um, EMS person from my grandpa's accident and he was like I was out here recently I was like yeah my grandpa passed away and he's like oh I'm so sorry I'm like yeah it just keeps happening right mm-hmm. um so I guess the way it was set up or that Chris had had it set up I'm not sure um I was notified first and then his mom was supposed to be second and she had not been notified yet and so she texted me while they were at my house I was like hey Brett, I haven't heard from Chris in a while have you and I'm like standing there with like notification officers, and I'm like, oh. And I was like, well, I don't really care about me at this point. You're going to drive me to her house, which is like 45 minutes away, and you're gonna make sure that Chris Harris's mother is notified in the exact same manner that I was. Like, he would want that. I don't know if it's supposed to be different or if it's supposed to be less formal, I don't know, but I'm gonna go and you're, I'm gonna make sure that you do it right. And they were like, yes ma'am. So they go in my house, they feed my dogs, they pack a bag for me. I mean, they're just like combing through everything that I could possibly need. They couldn't have been nicer. Um, And then they put me in a car and we just like, we're just driving and I remember them asking me like my social security number, um, things to book a flight to go to Dover to receive Chris, things like that, but I was just like zoned out. I was like, yes, no, yes, no, like whatever. Um, I wasn't really hearing anything. And then we pull up to his mom's house, and they were like, uh, "You need to sit in the car." And I was like, "No, I'm getting out! Like, you can't tell me that I'm not going to get out." And they're like, "You, you need to sit in the car. Like, everyone reacts differently to this information, and you should sit here. And we'll tell you when you can get out." And, um, I, I sat there, and I saw Chris's mom open the door. And there was two soldiers at her front door. And I will never, ever get that image out of my head. It was probably the worst thing I've ever seen happen. It was worse than my own notification. I don't know how people do that as uh, a job in the military. I I just, she screamed. And she was wearing, like, these little sandals. And she stepped back and she stepped out of her shoes and, like, collapsed. <clears throat> And they finally came to the car, and they were like, you can go to her. So, like, I ran to her, and I held her in her yard while she cried. And then later that night, I had to tell her also, like, hey, by the way, I'm also pregnant. So it was um, it was a pretty emotional day, to say the least, for her. Um, and I didn't know what to do. And then after the families had been notified, news was released. So then I started getting just, like, this swarm of text and calls and, and I just I just like shut down I didn't know what to do I, I had no idea like do I talk to people do I not talk to people like I don't I don't know so I just like laid on the floor uh, in his parents house and I slept there that night and I stayed with them I actually ended up moving in with them for a few months after that but there was a ton of people in the community that I didn't even know knew my name that like reached out to me and, like, offered this, like, safety net and offered to do anything and everything. I mean, when I finally had the chance to sit down and read messages, it was like, I'll mow your grass, I'll cook you food, I'll knit you baby blankets, anything that you could fathom. They were, like, offering it to me. I know you don't know me, but my sister works at such-and-such in town in Southern Pond, you know? It was all those messages, and it was so sweet. And I was like, I couldn't believe how many good people in the community there were. Like, it was just unbelievable. Like, so many people. Um, Lots of organizations here, the Patriot Foundation, um, the Daddy-Daughter Ball. Like, I had done some, like, princess work for them. They were like, we're doing a fundraiser for you. Like, tons of people were like, we're doing a fundraiser. We're doing this. We're going to do this in honor of you, in honor of Chris. Uh, They, like, gave me tons of, like, baby donations. And, um, like, you name it, the whole community, like, rallied around me. And I was like, as much as I want to be alone, like, thank you. And so I, I kind of was conflicted, like, our community's awesome, and everybody's being so good to me, but I'm trying so hard to grieve and be alone, and I don't want people to think that I don't love and appreciate it, but it, it didn't, like, go away immediately, you know, people still reach out all the time and, like, offer to do stuff, and um, even, like, the school that Christian goes to is the school that Chris went to, and they're like, we want her here, and I was like, well, that's awesome, like, you know, like, it's a amazing community. And even when something like so tragic and awful was happening, like I was like, well, at least I know I have support here.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. And I think that's something that will benefit a lot of people if they listen to this. Um, and I know it takes a lot of courage to do that, so thank you very much for it.
3: You're welcome. We have like such a good community. Like it's such a diverse like mixture of like golfers and like military and then like locals and just people traveling you know just it's super diverse but like everybody's so good Mm -hmm. like everybody's nice and everybody has that like small town hometown like Mm -hmm. oh i don't know you but i know so and so who probably knows you so yeah i'll help you out Mm -hmm. and you're like okay like yeah
0: yeah." yeah definitely uh you know Thank you. I'm glad you shared that. That's uh, I yeah. think that's super important. Um, all of this that we're talking about is super important, and I think there's a lot of people that can benefit from it. So I hope that we'll you know continue to do this and, and create this kind of uh, talking atmosphere, which I think is
1: important. So yeah, it's critical. And mm-hmm. and as you asked earlier, I mean, if if anybody's interested in attending Camp Resilient or being a part of it, you know, joining the team in some way. Um, just go to our website uh, or go, go to our, our uh, Facebook or our uh, Instagram. Easiest way to get in there. Send a message and, and we'll get in touch with you.
2: It's, and like I said before, there's no limit. If you came one day and you're like, this was my modality, whether it was uh, the equine therapy, um, yoga, mindfulness meditation, a whole bunch of other things, if you found something that, Yep, if you're like me, finally got your shoulders from up around your earlobes. <laughs> you can come back as often as you want at no cost to yourself. Mm-hmm.
0: Thank yeah. you all so much for you're coming welcome. in today and for, for what all of you do collectively. I think it's important to to talk about it. So. Thanks again, uh, Executive Producer Frank Daniels, for putting this on and uh, for uh, retired major Army Major Jason Houck, uh, one of the founders of Camp Resilient North Carolina, Lala Owens, uh, veteran and uh, president of Camp Resilient North Carolina, Britt Harris, vice president of Camp Resilient North Carolina, and Gold Star Spouse. Thank you very much, all of you, for sharing your story. I think it's super important to talk about it, so thank you.
1: Talking after the
2: intro. All right, cool.
0: Yeah. So I, what do I do with my hands? I, I don't know. <laughs> Put it in your pocket. <laughs>